this this is our uh, Q and A podcast with myself, Daniel Clemens, and the infamous Brian Dykstra from Atlanta Data Forensics. Why do I have to be infamous? <laughs> because you threw the burning chair at Aaron Walters. No, Aaron Walters threw it at some guy on stage, but that's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the the theme for the podcast, we've got a few different things. I'm going to go through. We're going to do questions and answers, random stuff, um, complete candor on the industry. What are the problems with the industry? Uh, new VC trends or startup trends? Uh, tools versus process and maybe story. So we've got a lot of ground to cover, but... That's like seven podcasts. Hey. If we can fit stuff in and it helps people, we'll, we'll, we'll cut where we got to cut, you know? All right, there you go. So... Um, you know, the first thing, tell 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 everybody a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm sure no one knows anything about me, and that's fine. Uh, all right, so I'm the uh, CEO of Atlantic Data Forensics. Uh, we've been around since uh, 2007. We do uh, civil litigation and criminal defense work, uh, forensics, uh, for all that sort of stuff. We do uh, full-scale e-discovery for law firms. We do a non-stop set of data breaches, intrusions, things like that uh, for our corporate clients. And then we uh, testify in court behind all of that stuff, depositions and all that sort of thing. Uh, prior to this, I was uh, employee number one at Mandian. I actually set up our bank account payroll system there and helped get that thing off the ground into the behemoth that it is today as uh, FireEye Mandiant. And uh, prior to that, I was a military guy doing intelligence work and that sort of stuff. So... That's all the good stuff. That's that's a lot of stuff. So you got to give us give 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 the people on the podcast the highs and lows over the over the you know the beginning stages of your career in infosec um, and even maybe even before that um, or you know just highs and lows of incident response e discovery testifying that whole whole gamut because I mean as you know like me and you have worked a lot of cases together. I, I'm I'm not really a fan of even getting close to a courtroom. Things are not <laughs> like I'm I'm the full spectrum color guy, and and I don't fit well in that. Um, but you guys have always been awesome at that. And then you know we've sat together on a million IRs and long term investigations. Probably I don't know anybody else that's probably done as many long term investigations as probably me and you. No, um, no, it's just really long, really long. I mean, I think uh, what is our the the what's the record we got? Like three point five years or something like that. Yeah, at least. Um, when did we start that first one? Two thousand eight, and that one went forever. Yeah, that yeah. two thousand eight. That went at least till the middle of two thousand twelve, maybe. I'm yeah. Not sure. um, and then a, a fine AUSA ended up bumbling the case, and the uh, guy went free. But uh, we won't talk about that because I can't. Um, yeah, <laughs> that that's always a low point for me is is when you you know you see something uh, a case like that where you know you you've collected so much data and analyzed so much data, and and you you know you know everything about the individuals involved. You've been tracking them for years, um, and then you got to get that to a courtroom somehow like and, and explain yeah. it to to people that don't know anything about what you're talking about and have a different frame of reference in you know, that legal frame 
Yeah, and, and, and I would also add into that that I, I think one of the enlightening moments for me was starting to see that the FBI actually wants, FBI or law enforcement or, or whomever kind of wants you to already have the case ready for them. Sure. And then they do some legal kung fu, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't work, and you're kind of like, whoa, where's y'all's ninjutsu, you know? So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big part of it is um, you know getting law enforcement to take on any case. Uh, a couple of things come into play. I mean, yeah, you, you got to come to them with a case pretty much already prepackaged, right? It's it's ready to go. You know, here's all the data. Here's all the forensic images. Here's all the documentation. Here's here's my affidavits about this and that and another thing. Um, you know, here's all the log analysis is complete. You know, um, I uh, actually participated in a, in a criminal case recently where I realized I'd done all the log analysis. Um, I was showing the log analysis to both uh, counsel I was working with and and to a, a U.S. attorney, and it wasn't helping. <laughs> um, the, neither one of them understood. Um, fortunately, I'd made a little chart earlier in the day, like a little graphic, and I, and I was like, maybe this would help. And I, I pulled out like a, a four block PowerPoint of like, you know, this goes to this, goes to this, goes to that log thing I just showed you. And they're like, oh, oh why didn't you say that? And I'm like, well, technically I did, you know, so there's, it's, it's super challenging, even, even with counsel we work with all the time, um, mm -hmm. you know, to explain technical data like that. But uh, and it's definitely a lot like you see it on TV, right? No, no secret data, no. Yeah, you don't have a CSI room either. <laughs> right next to my uh, room, full of a big stack of dirty money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, unfortunately, we just you know just servers, right? Um, nothing special. No lasers. Never lasers, man. If you're looking for lasers, that is never the answer. It's you, you know my theories on that. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, and then flipping from the lows, what about the highs? I mean, you're still in the game. You've been in the game for a long time. I yeah, mean, you were, 24 you were years that. later, I'm still doing this. I don't know if that's good or bad, actually, now that you say that. Now I'm concerned for us, Dan. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people are, you know? Yeah. Um, wow. Aren't we supposed to cash out or something? Um, no, uh, the, the high points... Um, and every time something works, right? Yeah. Every time you try something new that you're like, if I could just make this happen and then it works, you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I, I still get like that all the time, you know, some some new open source tool or something for, for some problem, you know, that we're, we're hunting down, um, you know, and, and you're just like, oh my God, that, that, that totally worked. I made this happen right here. You know, I get this new little bit of data that I wasn't expecting. Right. And then, and then also, um, I just thinking back on some of the things you've, you've told me recently on how you guys have like been tightening that loop on, on, you know, the acquisition and the indexing and all that kind of stuff. Can oh yeah. Any, anytime we, we improve processes, so, you know, so we have this continuous like improvement process that we run where we're always testing tools, always trying to push the edge. So we, we do forensics, you know, and investigations commercially. Right. So, for lawyers, for general counsel, uh, you know, for, for CISOs at various corporations. So a big part of that is speed. So we're right. always 
looking for anything that improves us just a little bit. Um, actually, I'm doing this whole set of cyber courses right now where we're talking, uh, just, just just did one this morning, and we're talking about uh, the uh, Evometry tools and uh, yeah. and using the uh, AFF4 file format and, and moving away from the uh, the you know typical in case um, expert witness format and things like that and and one of the reasons for doing that is it's just dramatically faster right 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 and and, and, and not designed in like 1992 by <laughs> dudes who are not really computer scientists uh well yeah that, that there is some some truth to that but uh <laughs> but yeah um <laughs> yeah no uh you know AFF four created by three PhDs, right? Um, all computer science guys. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's dramatically faster. Um, you know, at this point, we're we're collecting like five hundred gig an hour um, on our forensic acquisitions, and you know, and that's not the limit, right? It could go faster, right? Right. Um, so so we're always doing that. Uh, we just uh, just got done evaluating some new uh, malware sandboxes. You know, just again, any anything that gets us investigative leads faster is a constant part of our, our cycle. Yeah. Um, so on your on your on your sandboxes, do you do you have some of the Mario um, reversing lab stuff kind of going as well on on top of any of the things that you're already looking at, or like, and is Threat Grid still relevant? Um, you know. So yeah, I mean, not using a lot of Threat Grid. Um, you know, uh, have used it. Um, we're using uh, a combination of things now. So we're using uh, Joe Sandbox. I like their, the innovation they've been doing there. Um, continuous uh, bunch of stuff uh, for that. Um, we're using, it seems silly, but we have a, an in-house hardware malware sandbox. It, yeah. It's basically just a simple Lenovo tower computer, right? Like our desktop yeah. computer that we use. Um, that uh, we we have a open source uh, malware sandbox on it uh, based on Cuckoo um, and Sysmon and some other stuff uh, called Norbit. Um, huh. It's from uh, what is it? Uh, oh, geez, I, I wish I could remember the, the name of the guy's project. Now it's uh, lost it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the Norbit sandbox because so, sometimes there's great opportunities to, you know. Um, so, so many pieces of truly advanced malware looking for, you know, uh, virtualization and, and, you know, anti-sandbox type techniques and stuff like that. With, you know, you can run this on real hardware. It, it runs, it does its thing, everything, you know, about it gets collected up and, it, you know, it, it doesn't uh, have an opportunity to fake you out because it thinks it's on a real system, which it is. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's why I away. always, that's why I always like Joe Stewart's stuff and then um, some of the threat grid stuff just because, the threat grid guys had orchestrated all of their kernel debugging outside of the actual virtual machine, so it it limited any tools on on the inside. So that didn't doesn't mean you can't like do some fingerprints that to figure out if you're in a virtual machine. It was just a you know right a more scientific approach. I think that I wish more people would go about you know yeah, um, and I, and I think there's. There's definitely some of that. We just uh, evaluated a sandbox. We didn't end up selecting, um, but uh, it it uh, had a, a feature that they called forced code execution, um, which almost reminded me of, of fuzzing in a little bit. It was like, we'll try running it this way. And if that doesn't work, we're going to try it with this. And if that doesn't work, we're going to try it. And we're just going to keep trying this until we get this code to do something. 
you know, we know it's a, we know it's an executable. We know it's a binary. We know it's, you know, it's, it's involved. Let's, let's just keep working on it. Um, I enjoyed that part of the sandbox. Unfortunately, the rest of the sandbox is kind of a letdown, but uh, you know, what are you going to do? Well, you know, solve one piece of the puzzle and then, you know, they're, they're still still on the lightsaber on that, you know? Right. Right. And, and, you know, and folks ask me all the time, well, you know, what's the, you know, mostly folks outside the industry. What's the tool that you use for doing this? I'm like, tool, I, I wish. Like, <laughs> you, you don't have, have the magic bullet? We know? have like 60 tools. Like, what, what is it you want to do? You know, because it, it, most things in the, in the industry, I mean, you know, this tool is good at that, but it's terrible with these other five things that it says it's supposed to do. But, you know, this tool over here is great at two things, right? And, and it's the best there is at that. So, you know, we yeah. use it for that, move it along. Um, but, you know, constantly evaluating new stuff. I mean, folks, you know, send me stuff all the time. Like, will you test this? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Cause I don't know where the next great thing is going to come from. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Well, outside of, outside of those questions, we've got a few other things. We, we do have our inbox for the day. Mm. Um, so let's see. One, two. We got, I got four four questions here that okay. we can both kind of field. Alternatives to Maltego, what do you Oof. guys recommend? Um, I'll, I'll kind of field some of this. Since yeah, that's going to be you. One. So, you know, like you, you've got two different type of methodologies kind of going out there in platforms. You've got the target-centric analysis, which is your, your typical Maltego, and you have your case management. So there's kind of an infusion coming about in a lot of the new platforms where there's case management and target-centric analysis. Um, you know, I would look at some, uh, there's a few out there that I know are, are coming up. Um, let's see, we've got DataWalk, you've got uh, KivoTech, you've got, gosh, I'm trying to think, uh, I think it's Symantec AI. I haven't played with the Symantec AI one. Um, all of those are kind of, yeah, like it's, it's kind of more focused towards, I think like, um, financial sectors as well as, um, IC type stuff. So that makes good sense. You see a good blend there in, in the, in the user base. Um, but we, we haven't fully integrated into that yet. So I, I can't say like what's good or bad, but, um, as far as alternative small tego, if you're used to a target centric type platform. Caseware's good, um, but it's it's heavier on case centric, but it does have some target centric stuff. Um, and then IBM, the new i2 Connect, right? They're trying to really push um, the same type of style of target centric um, stuff, but you know the uh, there there's some other hurdles there, you know, price point and um, deployment costs, that kind of stuff. So, isn't, isn't it weird how you we're, we're both in an investigations right and yet two so dramatically different like like the tool set you just described not not my normal tool set but but a completely valid part of the investigation right like yeah a huge yeah. chunk of the investigation yet i'm not familiar i'm like constantly surprised people walking up like hey do you use this tool i'm like uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. <laughs> I mean, there's just so so much stuff going on. I, I've just yeah. been seeing this big trend recently with some of the folks that we deal with is, you know, we're, we're doing a lot more OEM integrations on our side. Mm -hmm. um, so we get to see, you know, there's probably six or seven in the pipeline that we're integrating with. 
And well, I think the market's looking for that, right? Yeah, the market yeah. is looking for that. And, I mean, I've heard that from a lot of different, you know, VC folks saying, you know, hey, we're going this direction with trying to push platforms. And I think that that's a good direction, but I think it's still toned up to the idea that there's still data brokers and data for sale. And, and, and you're not going to have a good platform unless you have a good partner on the data side, right? Like, link analysis is only going to go so far from a manual link analysis perspective because you still have to get information put it in that link chart and and be methodical about that you know so i I think some of that may be because of how you know wall street and the market in general evaluates cybersecurity companies if you will so assuming that we both fall under the label of cybersecurity companies or something like that um but I read a really interesting piece recently um, where they were basically rating a bunch of the the big cybersecurity companies, the FireEyes and the Cloud Crowds uh, Crowd Strikes and and uh, and uh, Palo Alto and things like this, right? And you know Dell SecureWorks and so on and so on. And the way the market was looking at them um, from this analyst review was um, on a basis of dollars earned per employee. Um, That's an interesting new way to do it. And and so Palo Alto was their high watermark at like well over 650 some thousand dollars per per employee, um, you know, of of revenue, Um, you know, compared to some of the others, which were much closer to 250 you know, a thousand per employee and, and things like that on, on some of these, these big consulting organizations. And, uh, and so from that basis, it was easy to see why, you know, why, why VCs and so forth are pushing for product innovation integration is, you know, or platform integration is because that, that Palo Alto, Palo Alto model is kind of like their, their, you know, holy grail, you know, model for like, this is a really profitable organization, um, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to pull that out. And then if you've got, you know, professional services and data and, you know, right. Other things going into it. Yeah. You're not going to change. Like I'm, I'm not going to want to change the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, and, I mean, we see the same thing on our side. Like, you know, the majority of our customers have been here for well past three years and, you know, sure. like there's some predictability there. There's, you know, high, high, you know, reoccurring revenue. It's great. And it's way better than some of the old consulting days mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to forge that landscape. Yeah. Um, over here in the old consulting side, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is tough, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, customer loyalty is questionable at best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh we talk about this all the time, but oftentimes, uh, you know, post incident, post data breach, whatever it might be, you can't leave a client happy, right? They're yeah, they're just, already emotionally they're just, scarred, yeah, they're just not happy, right? They, you know, something went wrong and and they got burned, and and you know, we help them as best we can, uh, you know, work their way through it, but that's you know frankly they don't want to see you again <laughs> once it's over right because you know negatively associate you with that incident in their head and stuff like that so it's it's a it's a tough road and then of course we work with a lot of uh you know other big consulting firms and uh and and law, and law firms. firms yeah the law right? firms. that's that's a very fickle business um yeah they've got know. poor shyness is that's what i call it <laughs> you know the law yeah. firms they like they never want to really invest in the the next thing in the business they want to like 
get their Porsche, which, hey, I'm yep. all about the dividends too, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot of changes going on in that industry, right? As the uh, insurance carriers are starting to take a, a lot bigger chunk of the cybersecurity market um, and, and insurance carriers are putting downward pressure on, on the law firms as to, you know, like, look, we're not going to pay you more than this rate for your work on, on this case or on this incident. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're, they're, they're used to getting such, such ridiculously high rates, frankly. Thanks, um, Kevin. Sorry, law firm guys that I just, just outed your rates. Um, <laughs> love you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> call me. No, I was just, I was just uh, blaming but, Kevin, you know? No, no, it's, it's not his fault. I mean, the, the, that, so it's you don't see it so much on the on the on the cybersecurity practitioner side where you see is is since the insurance companies are now choosing you know basically who gets the incident right mm -hmm. um, you know there's there's downward pressure on the law firms uh, to to bring their rates you know closer to the to the you know high but more normal rates that a cybersecurity practitioner um, is is charging for, for what they do or forensics folks or you know mm -hmm. responders that type of thing um, and that, that's creating this like weird new dynamic in the industry so you've got you know what what the CISO and, and the general counsel of the company wants but then you've also got this you know external entity that's paying for it that wants what they want you know and, yeah. and then yeah. you know so on and so on yeah we've seen that I mean just even with some stuff that you and I got pulled into last week you know um, yeah it's it it becomes complicated because you have another chef in the room versus you running your own business you know it's kind of yeah. like healthcare, you know yeah um, absolutely but, like that um you know where there's always you know a, a regulating entity looking over your shoulder right so yeah yeah so our next question we we're gonna i'm gonna punt this one i think we could have a whole segment on this question uh, what is it? You, it was, you can't uh, tell me thoughts, that. Thoughts on disinformation. What are the threats for 2020? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like, let's, like, I think we could, we could talk about disinformation um, in history for a few po podcasts probably, but let's just pause on that one. Like, I don't really want to go into that one. Um, there's, there's too many landmines on that. Um, all right, so the next question we've got, I'm new to investigations and OSN. Where do I start? Um, I'll say, like, for me, like, it was just starting with the basics of investigation. OSN is just another word for investigating things in a different realm, that being things I can get that's publicly accessible. You know, we'll we'll see the, the the change in that term to public accessible information here soon. You know, with the new Ninth National, Circuit Court of Appeals ruling. Yeah, yeah, and and the National Defense um, Authorization Act has a lot of that stuff in it for um, different agencies and and groups in the government having a new charter or, or a new mandate that they're going to have to have a, pub, a PAI type um, capability across the board. So. It's going to be good for a lot of people. Um, but where to start? I mean, start with the basics. Questions. Who, what, when, where, how. You know, like like what we used to do with putting the butcher paper up in the room. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, um, 
have to tell people that all the time is, is there's no magic to investigations. There's no, you know, no big red button, like you're saying, or something like that. Right. No tool is going to investigate it for you. Um, you see that quite often, right? People purchase something and they're like, oh, this is, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to put it in and it's going to solve all my problems and yeah. I'm going to have all the, it's like, mm it's probably not how that's going to work. Right, right. <laughs> you know, heard that pitch a few times now. AI and machine learning are not going to do your job for you. You know, it's yeah. it's going to be a bunch of different factors. Um, and, and you have to start with, yeah, just, just what you said there is, you know, who, what, when, where, why. Um, some of the, the old hackneyed, you know, questions like who profits from this? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's always big on the, you know, internal investigations and things we do is like, why, why would somebody do this? Who's who, to whose advantage is this, you know, right, right. you know, is uh, follow the money, I mean, all, all those different old, old school, traditional investigative things come into play. Um, and I, and I feel like the technology is just a, a layer on top of that. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an augmentation of what you should be already doing. Right. You know? I, I, I would say just, watching different people try to get in the space and either you know have success or failure it also has to do with like not trying to fit a narrative into what you're investigating right like like making sure that that bias like when you write that executive overview like and we concluded you know a plus b equals you know c not saying a plus b equals z and it's just obvious without any findings you know like yeah if you don't have the findings you don't have the timeline you don't have the artifacts like i'm sorry who cares you know what i mean like so atlantic data forensics corporate motto is in data there is truth right the data just tells you what the data tells you um it doesn't it doesn't care (laughs) it's it's not red it's not blue it's just data um and and it doesn't have a side it doesn't want a side um and yeah, that, that's a problem that, you know, we, we see, uh, obviously we see that when we work uh, uh, criminal defense cases, things like this, we, we frequently see very, very one-sided investigations done, mm-hmm. um, you know, where uh, we're, we're frequently hired to do, you know, third-party neutral reviews on cases. So, you know, uh, some cases we brought into a courtroom, one side presents their side, the other side presents their side. The judge looks at it and says, both of these sides seem very biased. Um, I have questions that I don't trust either side to answer. So they'll actually issue a court order um, for a third party neutral. We'll get hired and you know, both parties agree upon us. And and again, we, we're basically reviewing the case going, I don't, I have, I have no, no horse in this. I don't, I don't care, you know, who's, right. whose way this swings. I'm just trying as best possible from the data available to answer the basic questions that the court wants answered. You know, who did what, when, when did these files exist? When did this specific thing happen? If it happened at all, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, that's, uh, you know, it, it is something that has to be learned. Um, uh, I think I told you about this recently. I reviewed a, a forensic report from a, 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 a junior investigator um, and they went into their report writing. Uh, you know, the, the quality of the investigation was, was pretty well done, but they went into the report writing assuming mm. that, you know, the subject of the investigation was for lack of a better term, guilty of, of whatever the charges were against them. Um, 
and it, it, it made for a very biased reading report, uh, you know, where it, it looked as if they were trying to prove that the subject did this thing right, rather right. than, hey, there was this charge and we checked on all of these relevant data sources to see if that charge could be substantiated or not. You know, right. which is a, a very neutral way of looking at things. Not, hey, there was this charge, so I went to see if I could figure out uh, whether this guy did it or, you know, uh, or prove that this individual did it. It's like ah, that's that's not exactly a neutral sort of investigation. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and know, that's also why timelining is so important, and you know, sticking to your questions and answers and your scientific method. And I mean, just what does the timeline tell you? It might show you something different than who's trying to push you towards the narrative and i mean right. you know like we've had that a few times where how many times have we been saved on an investigation by timeline where you're just time. looking at the timeline just, going just that's weird if this happened here then this couldn't possibly be true here right yeah. or else we're missing some key data you yeah. know and, and you start to sort it out which is i mean that that's a good segue for the next time we talk about disinformation you know what how 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 is that how does that how can that push you towards a different conclusion or put different optics on how you look at stuff until you just look at the facts and the timeline like hey what what's in front of us sure. and then should, back to you know who benefits yeah yeah we should talk about that in terms of just larger investigations in general um, it's really common you know in an, in an incident response situation to find multiple indicators of intrusion yeah, right yeah. like just multiple iocs from disassociated things right. but the natural human tendency is like these are all part of some massive you know uh you know operation and it's like um i don't i don't really think so but but if you if you let that corrupt your investigative process you know it just makes makes things so much harder to figure out what's actually going on yeah um, and we and it, it's not wrong, right? It's it's human to do that. It's yeah, it's it is human, but it's also like there's a professional standard that needs to be, you know, put forth in yeah, in the delivery, you know, and and you know, like if if you've got if you're gonna make a big public statement about some investigation, and you're the investigating firm, you know, don't tell me it's just one bad guy, because the chances are there's at least three or four bad guys, right? Like. It's, or well, you know levels of chaos that that make things complicated, you know, and not just black and white. You know? That's my issue with some of the uh, APT reporting. It's like uh, I don't I don't know that we need to call all of these things advanced persistent threat. You know, <laughs> groups. I mean, there, there was always people behind the malware. There was always people behind the intrusions, right? Like from yeah. the beginning, you know, and, you know, in some cases I, I get that it, it helps to kind of go, okay, well, these are all indicative of this particular group of bad actors and stuff like that. Um, you know, it just seems to be a lot of, a lot of interest in the community and, you know, publishing on the new, whatever number APT we're up to at this point. Um, yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that at all. Almost like, a trophy hunting sort of thing. Yeah, and I and I get it. I I, I enjoy the analysis part of that. I love the analysis. I, love I really the, do. Making the anchor points and the correlation and and that whole process, but does it really helping things? I mean, really, 
you know, I mean, it like for instance, like some stuff does help, like with that one ransom crew that you know is moving through networks, and mm-hmm. you know, they're we know their actor is not just you know a random drive-by ransomware. Yeah. Um, that's helpful from a tools and you know indicators type space, but not necessarily from a. I I find it personally hard to keep up on. Like, I don't know the difference between APT seventeen and APT thirty three. Like like you just like I've I've very much lost track at this point, right? I just don't care. You know what I mean? Like I had somebody asking me about APT ten the other day, and they're like, "Man, don't you know all this stuff about APT 10 And I was like, "Actually, I might. I just might." Like, who told you I I knew something about AP, APT ten? And they're like, "Well, we can't tell you." I'm like, "Well." I really have no idea if I've investigated those particular guys or not this many years later. Right. You know, like, yeah, I, that, that could have been the same dudes 15 years ago or, you know, back in 2002, 2003. Like, I don't know, you know, like, right. nor do I care. Like, wow. I mean, that's, that's my side on the corporate incident responses, right? Like I'm, I'm just there to help the company you know, remediate, right? Contain yeah. and remediate, get back to doing what they're supposed to be doing as a company. Uh, you know, who did it? <laughs> Where are they located? You know, what's their names? All that sort of stuff. I, I'm sure that's super helpful. And maybe if I was in law enforcement, I, I would care. But, right. you know, at a corporate IR level, right? You know, dealing with some company, nobody's got time for that. Yeah. I mean, I would... I see a few corporate clients that do have time for that. Sure. And and they're 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 not looking at it from um a hacking by numbers game. I guess they're looking at it from if we were to focus on these top 5 actors that affect our our larger fraud level, mm-hmm. what does that what does that get us to in two years after a year-long investigation, you know, and, and I've seen, you know, a reduction in 20% fraud, but there's, you know, taking that method, but there's also like super mature investigative process, super long, you know, super, you know, focused type ends in, 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 in that whole situation. But, it, and it really has nothing to do with, you know, the name, you know, APT 10 or APT 17 or, you know, anything yeah. like that it has to do with lamer dudes probably you know what i mean like <laughs> well, dudes I mean, making that's... crappy tools that you know maybe we can just you know disrupt the uh, economics of the the model in general versus right. turning this into a state department type talking point you know yeah i mean that, that's kind of always the thing right is that you know I, I think it also mistakenly gives the public an idea and, and, and I shouldn't, I don't want to, I don't want to just like broadly categorize all these, these APT groups that way. Some of them and some of the analysis I've seen is just ridiculously complex. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, just, just like, Holy cow. How did you ever figure this out? This is so broad, so massive, so, so complex, so encoded, you know, like, how did you, how did you ever get to this? You know, I appreciate the technical level of work there that goes into that. Um, but, but you're right. I mean, on, a, on an average day, the stuff that, you know, that I deal with at, you know, company X, um, whatever they might be, not, not usually that sophisticated, right? 
Yeah. Well, you know, getting uh, getting get beat on the bad stuff. You know. I I'll, I'll I'll share a funny story before we have to to end this one. But um, a few years ago, this was um, towards, I guess when we we branched out packing ninjas and in, in Shadow Dragon, there was there was a time where we were still doing IR stuff, and um, and I think you and we got you guys and Aaron and his crew involved mm-hmm. in this. And the the CISO, I showed up um, to kind of help out, and the the CISO said, you know, like that'd be uh, Aaron Walters Flexity. Yeah, yeah, Aaron Walters Flexity, um, super awesome hashtag, great. <laughs> um, the CISO says, you know, I I just think these are a bunch of script kitties, and I was like, so do you guys have two factor authentication? No. Okay, so you had like 200 people fished. They all fell for it. You have no two-factor authentication. And I just said, look, man, it doesn't matter if they're script kitties. You have no visibility. You have a flat network. You have no two-factor authentication. Why are you even bringing up the fact that you think it's script kitties? Well, we, we, we took down like, you know, half of the accounts already. I'm like, that you know about, yeah. right? Like... So the the consumer side is kind of infected too with this, you know, a lot of buzzwords and, and, and classifications themselves with no real knowledge of of what they're talking about, which to me that's kind of sad. You know, like that 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 paints a different picture of some of the CISOs that are out there. Right. I mean I don't I don't care if the attackers, you know, 16 at you know some high school or you know it's a it's a russian organized crime thing right i mean they got into your network does it really matter right yeah we can't we can't downplay the risk when you have a crappy network you know right yeah and um so that's that's all my ransomware clients right now so sad i know man like just ingress egress filtering dmz two-factor authentication the simple old school stuff like that is not a product no not a product it's it's just a process you got to just keep going into work every day and just improving your network a little bit a little bit more here a little bit more there extra control here that you know it's only going to catch this many things but that combined with all the other controls i have in place now gives me lots of early warning you know that's uh that's the trick and, and there's there's no you know you can't buy your way out of it right true it's uh, all day every day all right brian we've got other questions but i think what we can save them for another day all right all right man awesome thanks i will talk to you later adios, adios.